Welcome to Theory of Indivisibility, solutions-focused evolutionary analysis of our social, economic, and political systems delivered to you in short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Dr. Sunjata. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Theory of Indivisibility. I'm so grateful that you've chosen to carve out some time in your busy lives to join me once again on this journey. In the previous episode, prior to the interlude, which was Ownership Part 1, we discussed the evolutionary origins of the concept of ownership in human societies. During today's episode, we're going to discuss some of the current complexities based on how ownership has evolved. During season one of Theory of Indivisibility, we are exploring the evolutionary origins, current complexities, and how my theory of indivisibility applies to the following social systems. Power over, patriarchy, religion, ownership, capitalism, democracy, racism, and education. Season one evolves like a book, so for clarity's sake, I suggest starting from episode one if this is your first time listening. Thank you to my newest patrons, Jesse, Hope, Vidran, Rebecca, and Trey. Wow, five new patrons. I'm so grateful. I can't tell you all how grateful I am that you all have been answering uh, the call that I put forth in the last show, uh, the last interlude. It really shows that this message, uh, this work, this theory is connecting, is resonating, and I appreciate it because your investment, no matter how big or small, it it just gives me fuel. It's like rocket fuel. It gives me the energy that I need to, you know, carve out the time to do the work that's involved with putting on each to putting together and, and producing each show. So thank you so, so, so much uh, to those of you who who have become new patrons. And thank you to uh, my patrons who continue to support. I really appreciate you all so much. If you are listening to this show and, and you get value from listening, please consider supporting the show becoming more sustainable so that I can put more time into producing, into producing these shows more regularly by visiting patreon.com forward slash live indivisible. Another thing that I want to share with you all is that on the weekend of October 26th, I had the opportunity to give two talks in Durham, North Carolina, where I was able to weave in concepts of my theory of indivisibility. On Saturday, I was hosted by the Pathfinder Community School to give a talk titled Self-Directed Education for a Sustainable World. And that talk is something I'm going to share as an interlude when I get to the education system, when we get into evaluating and synthesizing uh, the, the education system. I also, on that Sunday, I was hosted by Empowered Minds Academy to give a talk titled Self-Directed Education for Our Black Learners. If you want to listen to either or both of those talks, you can do so at my website, igotogrow.com. That's I-G-O-T-O-G-R-O-W.com. I also want to say hello to the new listeners that learned about this show from attending those events. It was so nice meeting all of you. And it's just been a pleasure to be able to get this message out and spread the message 
of my theory of indivisibility and how it leads to both social, how it connects to the movements uh, for social and environmental sustainability. You can also contact me through my website if you'd like me to speak for your group or organization about my theory or how it aligns with your work. When I was growing up, the idea of owning property and land was a foundational core value in my family. When I would visit my paternal grandparents in Apalachicola, Florida each summer during my childhood, my grandfather would drive around his very small town and show me the various plots of land that he and my grandmother owned. And while I was at home in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania throughout the year, my father would pick me up on weekends to go work on one of the many rental properties that he owned in West Philly. So it was drilled into me at a young age that the ownership of property and land was a means for creating security and wealth. So you can imagine how much of a paradigm shift it was for me to come to the point where I now see the dysfunctions in the concept of ownership. Because I'm sure, like many of you, you have a similar story um, about how the ownership of property and land was uh, a value. And it's really attached to the whole American dream concept. So I would imagine, I can imagine that it's pretty much a value for, for most of us, um, you know, who came here, uh, whose ancestors, you know, came here, whether through slavery like mine or through, for, through colonization like our European friends. So our friends of European descent. And then, of course, I don't want to erase the indigenous people of this continent because for them, um, they've been pushing back against these things, you know, all along. And I'll get more into that in a moment. So what started my shift in understanding these things uh, was learning about systems thinking. And it's important to remember that the philosophical foundation of my theory of indivisibility is systems thinking. Systems thinking is a holistic approach to analysis that focuses on the way that a system's parts are interrelated and interconnected and how systems work over time and within the context of larger systems. There are two types of systems, natural systems and human-made systems. I covered this in detail in episode one. So how does ownership fit within the context of larger systems? Ownership is a human-made social system. It is a subsystem of patriarchy. Patriarchy is a subsystem of power over. So that means that, like religion, the concept of ownership is rooted in power over and patriarchy. We'll address these interconnections and interdependencies in more detail a little later in this episode. To fully understand the current complexities of ownership in human societies, we must acknowledge that there was a time when the concept didn't exist at all for any humans in any context. As I've explained in previous episodes, for the majority of the approximately 200,000 years of Homo sapiens history on this earth, people lived egalitarian in small hunter-gatherer nomadic bands in a symbiotic give-and-take relationship with the land and each other. No one owned or had power over land and no one owned or had power over other people. 
This has only begun to gradually change in the past 10 to 12,000 years with the advent of farming and sedentary living that was brought about by the agricultural revolution. The shift from power with social norms to power over social norms happened at differing rates in differing in different contexts all across the world. Our continent, what came to be known as North America, was one of the last places for these power dynamics to shift after colonization began relatively recently in 1492. Prior to that, the indigenous people of this continent, which many of them refer to as Turtle Island, held a sacred partnership with the land. To illustrate this, the following excerpt is from an article in The Guardian titled, The Western Idea of Private Property is Flawed, Indigenous Peoples Have It Right, by Julian Brave Noisecat. And I'll include a link to this quote in the show notes. Begin quote. While indigenous values, beliefs, and practices are as diverse as indigenous people themselves, they find common roots in a relationship to land and water radically different from the notion of property. For indigenous people, land and water are regarded as sacred, living relatives, ancestors, places of origin, or any combination of the above. British and American empires dispossessed indigenous people of their lands in the name of property and productivity. Many indigenous children were sent to church and government schools where their languages and cultures were literally beaten out of them. Despite this brutal and enduring history, indigenous people today stand on the front lines of global movements fighting for a more just relationship between humanity and the land. End quote. What I love about that excerpt is that it actually connects to all of our systems that we've we've uh, evaluated so far. Power over patriarchy and religion. To assist us with analyzing and synthesizing the current complexities of ownership, we're going to create a cluster map. Cluster maps are an important systems thinking tool because they help us to see the interconnections, interdependencies, and dynamic complexities of the elements, also known as subsystems, that make up a system. To make a cluster map, you draw a large circle and then you write all the elements that make up whatever system you're exploring. Whatever comes to mind when you think about ownership, you write it down. As a call to action, I want to invite you to make your own ownership cluster map. It will really help you to learn to diagnose and understand the complexities within systems. So pause the podcast and grab a piece of paper and something to write with. You can also do this mentally if you'd like to practice before hearing mine while you're driving or doing chores or whatever it is that you do while listening. After you complete it, please share it on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash live indivisible in our discussion or you can share it in our Theory of Indivisibility Discord group, which is a discussion group, and I'll share a link to the group in the show notes. My cluster map of ownership includes the following systems, and you'll notice I use the term systems and elements interchangeably. Power over, patriarchy, religion, marriage, parenting, capitalism, land, slavery, pets, houses, cars, 
monopolies, elitism, violence, protection, competition, social stratification, indigenous people, environmental degradation, war, colonization, control, divisive, gentrification. So those are all the things that came to mind in my brain dump about ownership. And as I said, all of these elements are systems within, their, within themselves. And we could actually create a cluster map for each of them and how they are impacted uh, and engaged with in, in our society. So with that being said, you can visit patreon.com forward slash live indivisible to view my cluster map and the lines that I drew to indicate the various interconnections and interdependencies of each system. So what I'd like to do now is just share with you some of the highlights from my cluster map where I just pick out a few of the systems that I uh, inserted in my cluster map and just talk about them a little bit in terms of the current complexities. So right now, as we all know, our climate change and environmental uh, insustainability um, issues are at the forefront of our news cycles. And the fact of the matter is our issues, our environmental sustainability issues are the culminating effects of humans evolving to believe that they had power over the land. And certain humans, not all humans, because as I continue to state, indigenous people have always understood these things. But the the humans that um, have participated in the colonization uh, and who have been impacted by colonization and who have adapted those uh, dominance, hierarchy, uh, capitalist mindsets uh, by default, like myself, you know, because I grew up in America, um, you know, I grew up believing that humans had power over the land. It was reinforced through, uh, obviously, through our culture as well as through our religions, uh, that humans had dominion. There was words like, you know, humans have dominion over the land and animals and all these various things. Instead of understanding that we're in relationship, we are nature and we, um, it's, it's sustainable to be in relationship with the land and nature. So this, this attitude of having power over the land has led to the belief that, you know, humans can manipulate it for their benefit without any acknowledgement of the harm that they may cause to the balance of nature's ecosystems and the pollution that they cause as a result. And so that's how power over uh, applies to ownership. And obviously everything that I shared in the power over episode and everything that was in the power over cluster map automatically applies to ownership because, again, it's all interconnected, it's all interdependent, and it all connects either directly or indirectly. They, they're all interconnected. I want to take a moment to share with you how I take this theory of indivisibility work into the world. At the heart of my theory is the belief that we have the capacity to learn new skills. If we want to live indivisibly, we have to learn how to communicate, resolve conflict, and govern our individual relationships, families, communities, and organizations in ways that reject power and privilege and embrace equity and collaboration. For the past five years now, I've been facilitating trainings on a skill designed to do just that, 
called Authentic Dialogue. Authentic Dialogue is about shared inquiry, a way of thinking and reflecting. It's an exchange where people think together and discover something new. It is the seeking of greater truth, a shared truth that results from a deeper understanding of one another. I have facilitated both individual sessions for two people and group sessions for organizations and companies. I also created an online training titled Create Healthy Personal Relationships and Thriving Organizational Culture with Authentic Dialogue, a three-step process for collaborative conflict resolution that you can access for free at my website under courses. Visit igotogrow.com. That's I-G-O-T-O-G-R-O-W.com and click book me to view a list of facilitation topics and please reach out to me if I can be of service to your family or organization. So the next one that I like to highlight is patriarchy because, because only recently in the 20th century did women gain the right to own land. So that's how patriarchy uh, plays a part in ownership, own land, own their own money, and et cetera. So the next system slash element that I like to highlight is marriage. Marriage was a form of legal ownership because before 1870, any money made by a woman, either through a wage from investment by gift or through inheritance, automatically became the property of her husband once she was married. So you may notice that within the context of monogamous relationships, there's historically there's been this sense of ownership, especially the sense of ownership from the man owning the woman. And, you know, it's only been recently, um, you know, that that women have been fighting back against that uh, relatively recently, again, within, you know, since the women's suffrage movement, which, again, I addressed in previous episodes. Uh, but we still can see some of the remnants of that, those attitudes, um, even in current times where some men tend to be very possessive. And actually, it, it goes both ways in a lot of instances where you, because of that ownership, possessive power over and control um, attitudes and behaviors that have been indoctrinated just based on literally thousands of years of patriarchy taking root. And the idea that men own women, it trickled over into women feeling like they also owned uh, their their male partners. And it was like a joint ownership type situation. But it, from a legal standpoint, literally, it wasn't until the 19 in the 1900s, late 1800s and early 1900s that women even had the right to have claims to their own money and et cetera uh, if they were married. And there's just a whole bunch of. Um, a whole a lot of work went into women being able to have the right to like basically be seen as individuals. So uh, that's how, you know, marriage kind of plays into the ownership. So, yeah, this gets away from the ideas of land and property in terms of ownership. But it's important here because it, it just gives you um, it helps you to make the connection. It helps me to make the connection of once the idea of ownership of land, property, people, et cetera, all those things evolved into society, they created feedback loops. And those feedback loops then began to trickle 
into, uh, I'm sorry, let me say it like this, create new feedback loops where those um, ideals were, were rooted in the new feedback loops. So I hope that makes sense. The next system that I want to highlight is gentrification. So I call gentrification modern day colonization. And if you think about colonization, that era was fueled by leaders, rulers, kings and queens wanting to expand their territories and gain. Well, let me be more specific. European kings and queens wanting to expand their territories and gain more riches. And in exchange, settlers receive more freedoms like the freedom to practice their own religions without persecution. So it was oppression masked as opportunity because the byproduct of colonization is that the indigenous people of these lands and the lands in South America and literally all over the world where colonization took place in Africa and parts of Asia as well, the people of those lands lost their land, they lost their culture in a lot of ways, and their way of life. And the settlers felt like they were doing the right thing because they were spreading their religion and they were developing the land and they had the power of guns and military forces behind them. So that's how they were able to, you know, use power to to gain access to these new lands and and bring with them concepts of, you know, uh, property and ownership and opportunity and growth in the, in the form of, uh, again, in the form of like possessions and, and, and things like that. And the whole concept about concepts of power over as opposed to what many indigenous cultures, the ways that many, many indigenous cultures um, live prior to, which was with power with ideals of sharing resources, sharing the land, being in a relationship with the land, etc. So similarly, gentrification today is fueled by the opportunity for people with money to invest and buy homes in really, really poor neighborhoods. And they can get low prices in these neighborhoods in order to maximize their chances of a bigger payoff or uh, a larger net worth later down the road as values go up and more and more people with means start investing in the development of those, those once poor neighborhoods. So the gentrifiers will say things like, we are bringing this area back or it's an up and coming area uh, and things like that to justify. Um, I'm sorry. And they're justified as being good investors who are prudent financially. But the byproduct of their in, quote unquote investment savvy is that the poor and low income people in those areas become displaced because they can no longer afford to live in those communities once the property taxes go up because the home values go up. And it often inconveniences poor, low-income, working-class people in those areas because these this gentrification that's been taking place, uh, you know, for the last few decades has ho- mostly been taking place in dense urban environments where these low-income people had access to public transportation and had access to uh, getting food and groceries and shopping, et cetera, done uh, in the in a short, uh, condensed, um, you know, area. Versus having to move out into the suburbs, um, you know, where a lot of those things are a little bit harder or move out into rural areas where things are more spread apart. So it just adds more challenges to those to those people. And unfortunately, it also forces a lot of people into homelessness. Um, So but gentrifiers are actually doing the right thing in terms of how you grow 
and how you, um, you know, build wealth and, and et cetera in a capitalistic society. Because capitalism, you have to buy low and sell high or buy low and hold so that your net worth goes up. So the, 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 I guess the, the dysfunction within that system is that by some people doing the right thing, a byproduct of them doing the quote unquote right thing is that it hurts other people. And that is a very consistent theme across most of the systems that you'll find that are embedded within the power over social constructs that I'm talking about this season. Another system that I'll that I'll highlight is elitism. And I want to speak to how that applies to ownership. So elitism applies to ownership in a couple of different ways. One is typically those who are elite have access to more resources, meaning they own more things, meaning they own more property that has value that gives them, quote unquote, net worth and money, um, or they own money. They own a lot of money and they're able to buy you know, expensive things that um, that places them in a position of being considered elite or having an elite mindset, um, meaning or that mindset that they're better than, better than other people because they have access to more resources. And of course, ownership is at the you know root of that because it's all about what these people own that give them those feelings of elitism. As I stated a little bit earlier, divisive feedback loops beget more divisive feedback loops. And because the root of ownership is power over, it has ultimately proved to be unsustainable for the well-being of all people and the planet. In the previous episode, the interlude episode, I introduced you all to another layer of my theory of indivisibility. Two tables, the DNA of divisiveness and the DNA of indivisibility. And I shared that if a human-made social system has any element or system from the table of divisiveness embedded in it, then it won't work for all people and it won't be sustainable for the environment. And therefore, we need to create a completely new system to replace it with. Although it is fairly new to me, many people have already begun to do just that. They've already begun imagining how to repair the damage done by ownership in human societies and how to meet our basic needs of housing and security without it. And we'll explore how next time on Theory of Indivisibility. Theory of Indivisibility is written and produced by me. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform and share it with friends on social media. It really helps. It takes 20 to 30 hours of research, writing, producing, and editing to complete each show. So if you like what you hear, you can show your support in helping to make this show more sustainable by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash live indivisible. That is also where you'll find show notes and resources for each episode. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I love y'all. Peace. Visionary mind frame got me open in this. I pause for a second, listen to the words that I spit. So can you feel it? Lose focus and you start to see the vibration hitting every nation. Check your foundation. A matter of energy got me circling for the world around me. Stand strong, holding the position I belong. Finish clearing the past and then you move on to a new way to go. You're engaging the flow, the critical mass. Got a
brother running so fast, but will I slow down? The wheels on the bus go round and round. Sitting thinking how I'm living, what the longer now I'm coming to a point where I'm bridging the gap. I reckon living with the interpersonal ethic emerging to another level with my culture. Theme song New Vision is performed by Achilles the Cosmonaut. Find more from Achilles the Cosmonaut on your favorite music streaming app. <laughs>